0: Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit OutreachChurch.net for downloads and service information. How are you guys doing this morning? Man, worship was awesome, wasn't it? Gosh. Sometimes I'm like, Roy, the, the, the only thing you can do from here is mess it up. And if it was me, I probably would, but thank God it's not me that he's in me. Um... So how many of you guys is the very first time ever being to Outreach? I know we asked that in the welcome, but I'm just curious for my own sake. Put your hands up real high, real quick. I promise we're not gonna call you out, do anything weird. Yeah? All right, how many of you people, this is your second time coming to Outreach ever? Alright, this is where we do the weird things and we make you come on stage. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> There was this girl back there sitting next to Jared that just freaked out when I said that. (laughs) She's probably thinking, I'll kill you, Jared. You didn't warn me about this. Um, No, we're really happy that you're here, and we're really happy that you came back. We're not just happy the first time you come. We're thankful that you chose to come back this morning. You could have done anything, and you chose to be here and worship with us and and add who you are to what God's doing, and we don't take that lightly or for granted. We're thankful that you're here this morning. Um, So last week, we started talking a little bit about uh, words of wisdom, words of knowledge. We talked about Nathaniel, and how, how Philip meets Jesus and decides, I have to go tell somebody. You know, there's a, there's a thing in your life where evangelism will flow from a pure place when you really meet Jesus. When you know Philip meets Jesus, and says the first thing he did was ran and told somebody else, you have to come meet this man. He's the one. If there's not something in us that says somebody has to know about this Jesus that I met when we meet him we might need to question how we really met the 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 Christ because we'll tell people about a cheeseburger if it's good enough no we will you will evangelize for a restaurant you realize that's all evangelism is is sharing something that's in your heart with other people nobody should have to tell you nobody told you Hey, this food was really good. You should tell people you know about it. It's just in your heart because you want to share that with the people that you know because you found something that's awesome. Ah, That's all evangelism is. Saying, I found this amazing thing. I have to tell somebody. I have to share this with people. People have to know about it. So Philip runs and he tells Nathaniel, he says, you've got to meet him. We found the one who was prophesied. We found the one. You remember when you met the one, if you guys are married, if you're, if you're married in this place, when you found the one and you knew they were the one, you remember that feeling? Yeah. You remember that? We have some newlyweds in here, they're like, hey. <laughs> But listen, we got some people that are in here for 53 years and they're smiling the same way. That's right. That's awesome, right? Because listen, when you found them and you knew they were the one, it was like this stupid smile came over your face and you just wanted to tell everybody that you knew you found them. It's like that with Jesus. When we meet Him, it's like He's the desire of our hearts. He's the longing of nations. He's the One with whom everyone was built with a desire to know. And when you find Him, you've found the One your heart longed for even when you didn't know it was Him you were longing for. And the natural response to that is, Philip, i got to go tell somebody, you have to come and meet this One. You have to come meet this Jesus who I met. And so Nathaniel says, he's from Nazareth? I won't make a joke about easily today. (laughs) But he says, he's from Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And so he's walking up to Jesus and Jesus sees him as he's coming and he says, behold, an Israelite in whom there is no guile, in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael's response is he stops and he looks at Jesus and says, how do you know Me? How do you know Me? All Jesus said is there's an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. There's no guile. And Nathanael instantly feels known. You realize everybody that you meet wants to be known? Every single person you meet has a desire to be known. Everyone. He says, How do you know me? And Jesus then looks at him and says, Before I saw before Philip called you, I saw you. You were under a fig tree. Nathaniel now at this point is convinced. He's no longer questioning if anything good can come out of Nazareth. He feels completely known. He trusts what was told to him by his friend. And now he's he's open to hear things from Jesus that he wouldn't have been open to hearing a few minutes before. And Jesus says, and you'll see even greater things than these, Nathaniel. You'll see angels ascending and descending out of an open heaven upon the Son of Man. Had Philip walked up to him and said, Nathaniel, you're going to see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man, Philip would have been in no position to receive that. Had Jesus walked up to him and said that out of the blue, he would have been in no position. Why? Because he was a person who was a little bit skeptical. He was a person who didn't want to be deceived. Jesus picks up on that when he sees him. He says, here's a man in whom there is no deceit. And Nathaniel maybe prides himself on being wise and never being deceived, not being fooled. Because when Jesus says that about him, he stops and he says, How do you know me? What's he saying? You're right. That's who I am. I wonder if we came walking up, what Jesus would say about us. Would it be something we want written in the Bible and preached about for 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 years? If the answer is no, then it's time to change the way you live. It's never too late. I promise you, it's never too late to change. You have so much in front of you. It's unbelievable. So many people have got to a place in their life where they feel like the best of their life is behind them and all they have left is to hold on. That is a lie. You have way more in front of you than you have behind you because you're growing in who He is and in your knowledge of who you are in Him. And the more you know Him, the more you become like Him. And the more you become like Him, the more you see things happen around you that the Bible said you would you have so much more in front of you than you had behind you. Not to mention, beyond that, you have eternity in front of you. So, so Jesus operates in a a word of of wisdom, a word of knowledge. We talked about that. If you weren't here last week, I can't go over all of it, but if you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to listen to the podcast. We talked a lot about that. And we talked about what it is and, and what it's not. And I want to give just some practical stuff today about operating in these gifts. You know, they're gifts, right? They're gifts. We should be excited about these things, not fighting about these things. Like, Paul never wrote the letter and said, here's some stuff for you guys to fight about. I'm going to drop a bomb here in the middle and I'm going to watch the bodies fall. He didn't say that. It wasn't like, hey, I know what, there's not enough division and strife in the church. Let me write a letter to them. And talk about something that I'm going to call gifts and let it turn into something that we fight about until Jesus returns. Said, that wasn't his desire. He said, What did he say? He said, Now concerning the spiritual gifts or the spiritual brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. What's he saying? There's things out there that you could be ignorant of. Just because you're ignorant of them doesn't mean that they don't exist. And so he's saying, Listen, there's things that exist that you don't know about, and I don't want you to be ignorant of these things. And he writes in this beautiful letter. About the gifts of the Spirit. And he names some of the gifts of the Spirit. He says, "You know, to, uh, to everyone is given the manifestation of the gift for the common good. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, this thing's not in your life just so that you can have a story to put on Facebook and people hit like. Not so that you can feel good about yourself. Not so that you can write a book. Look, all those things are okay, but that's not the point. The point is they're in you for the common good. They're in you for the good of everybody. They're in you for for the good of everyone, which means they have to at some point come out. Because you can walk around carrying the joy, 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 joy down in your heart, but if it never comes out of your lips, right? Never buy into that lie of, you know, I know what St. Francis of Assisi was saying when he said, uh, you know, preach the gospel at all times if necessary, use words. Don't hide behind that and let that be an excuse for the gospel never coming out of your mouth. Because if Jesus felt it necessary to use words when He preached the Gospel, I promise you it's probably going to be necessary for us to use words when we preach the Gospel. To say that we don't need to is to say that we found a way of living that preaches the Gospel that's higher than the way Jesus lived. That's crazy. How arrogant. Don't ever get caught in that stuff. A lot of people hide behind that. It's an excuse to not have to open their mouths and declare something. If Jesus opened his mouth and boldly declared the gospel in so many places, if the disciples that followed him boldly declared the gospel in so many places, there's every chance that no matter how you're living your life, there's going to be opportunity and necessity for you to open your mouth and boldly declare the gospel of Jesus. So they're in for the common good. We talked about a word of wisdom being just a, an uncommon knowledge. Uh, or, or wisdom, like in a moment, you have this wisdom that you didn't have. You know it didn't come from you. It's wisdom that's from another age because we don't live just by earthly, worldly wisdom, which is sensual, demonic, all those things. We actually, there's a wisdom that comes from above. It's godly wisdom. Have you ever found yourself in a place where you just knew how to figure something out? You just knew the answer. You knew the, wisdom, the advice to give someone. And as you're saying it, you're thinking, oh, that's awesome. I should write a book about that. I should write that down. That was good. And I would, I'll go home sometimes after having counseling sessions. Me and Patty will, will do marriage counseling with people. And I'll look at her and I'll say, that was really good when you said this. And she's like, oh, I said that. Yeah, that's right, I did. <laughs> because it wasn't something that she came there planning to say. Remember Jesus talked about the word of wisdom with his disciples? He said, in that day, they'll bring you in front of kings and rulers and authorities to persecute you. But it'll actually be an opportunity for you to share your testimony. Take no thought beforehand what you will say. for I I will give you the words to speak what was he saying you don't have to have this all figured out you can rely on my wisdom when you find yourself in a place and i'll tell you what to say that doesn't mean that we never plan what we're going to say ahead of time it just means there's going to be opportunities there's going to be times where he doesn't want you to have a game plan he just wants you to walk in obedience and listen for what he has for you to say and so we talked about that. We talked about a word of knowledge. That was Jesus saying, before I, uh, Philip called you, I saw you under a fig tree. What is that? It means a knowing of something that currently is or that was. That's all it is. Is You suddenly just know something that you shouldn't know. And you can tell people these things. And, and when you do, so many times what it does is it opens them up to receive the Gospel in a way that they would not have received a few minutes before because they feel known. It's a no, they just all of a sudden they feel known by this God. And the words that you're speaking carry a weight that they didn't carry before. You've got their attention. It's a gift, it's a good thing. Paul said, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Don't sit back and say, well, if it's, if it's real, how come it doesn't happen to me? I don't believe in that stuff. You've just self prophesied, and it's doomed to come true. Because he said you have to earnestly desire these things. He said when James says, if you, even, even something like wisdom that we know it's God's heart to give, James says, when you ask, you must believe that you have what you ask for. Otherwise, if you don't, you're unstable, tossed about, and let that man expect to receive nothing of the Lord. What well, don't you say God wants me to receive wisdom? If, if He wants me to have wisdom so bad, why don't I have it? I don't believe that He really does. Well, there you go. According to James, keep expecting to receive nothing because there's a belief required that when we ask, we have what we ask for. That's on us. That's not God in heaven choosing favorites. That's God when he says he's a respecter and not a respecter of persons. And people take that sometimes to mean that God won't do for one what he, what, you know, what he won't do for everyone. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that, that everything that happens is, is equal. It means that everybody has equal opportunity to access him. It means that the word says the same thing to everybody. And it's those who actually believe it and by faith grab a hold of it. It's why the woman who had the issue of blood was healed when everybody else around her wasn't, including a bunch of people that probably had issues even though they touched jesus because jesus looks at the disciples and says who touched me and they look at him and say how can you ask us who touched you you're surrounded by people in other words everyone's touched you he says no but power went out of me somebody received something from me and it was the woman who went there and by faith grabbed a hold of him and said if i could just touch the hem of his garment i'll be healed she's the one who got healed not everybody else that casually brushed up against him in the middle of the crowd There's something on our end. And that's not God being a respecter of persons because every single person had the same ability to believe that they could touch Jesus and be touched by him. It's the person who actually did it that receives something from the Lord. And that's not him playing favorites, it's him being an equal giver to everybody who will come to him. I know it's the truth. It's in your Bible. Goodness, this stuff's not hard, right? It's in the Word for a reason. He doesn't want us walking around just completely confused and thinking, well, you know, I mean, you know what the Bible says, his ways are higher than our ways. And we have so many excuses for why we don't understand what the will of God is in our lives. But then Paul says, I pray that you wouldn't be ignorant of God's will. Well, that's a foolish prayer if we can never know his will. There's another place where it says, you should know the will of God. But let me ask you, so if His ways are higher than our ways, how do we reconcile that with knowing His will and understanding His ways? It's by reading the whole verse in context. He says, let the wicked man abandon his ways, and the foolish man his thoughts. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are not your ways. For as far as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. What's he saying? Abandon what you have. Abandon the worldly wisdom. Abandon what you were born into. Abandon that futile way of thinking. Let the foolish and the wicked man abandon his ways and his thoughts. Why? Because mine are better. It's an offer of an exchange, not a condemnation and a ha ha. He's not in heaven dangling a Twinkie. Oh, almost got it. No, that's not what he's doing. He's not up there saying, like, oh, come on, you'll never figure me out. He's saying my ways are better and my thoughts are better. So let go of what you had and grab onto what I'm offering. Yes. 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 <laughs> Otherwise, it's just a God in heaven. Pointing out to people something that there's, they have no ability to do anything about. That's why He says, let the foolish man abandon his ways and the wicked man. What is He saying? And the only people who can say and ever say, well, you know, we will just never know because His ways are higher. There are people who call themselves foolish and wicked. But Jesus said, never call anybody a fool or you put yourself in, a, in danger of hell. Maybe that includes you. Jesus said, I tell you, if you call someone Racha, which means fool. What's he saying? Never call anybody a fool. Why? Because in the old covenant, a foolish man didn't think the way God thinks. What's he saying? Nobody can claim that they can't know the way that God thinks and understand God when the Spirit of God lives inside of them. And when Jesus said the Holy Spirit, when He comes, He will take everything. Jesus said this, everything that is the Father's has been made known unto me and he when the spirit of truth comes he will take everything that is mine he'll make it known to you how can we sit back and say well you know his ways are higher than our ways then get higher abandon that and grab a hold of what he's offering does that mean we're going to always have him all figured out no it just means it's not an excuse to not try We can't sit back and use that as an excuse. Read it in context. Would God call you foolish and wicked? If He would, then you need to become born again because He doesn't call you foolish and wicked once you've become born again. He says, don't you know that you are holy for God's temple is holy and that is what you are. That doesn't sound foolish and wicked to me. That sounds like somebody who can abandon foolish and wicked thinking in exchange for his ways and his thoughts. Someone needed to hear that this morning because I wasn't anywhere near the notes. All right, so I want to just go through some practical stuff here. Kind of some do's and don'ts. The first thing, uh, do listen for His voice in every situation. And ask Him to speak, believing that He will. Start to cultivate an awareness that God is here with me, that He desires to speak, and that there's every chance that in this moment He has something that He wants to say, and I may be the one He wants to speak it through. When you start to become aware of that, you're actually listening for His voice. Because how many of you have kids and you know that you can speak to them, but unless they're listening, they are oblivious to the fact that you're speaking? Sometimes you'll say that their spouses do that. Not anybody in here, but on the podcast, there are wives. (laughs) Those podcast listeners, I've heard some of them say that their spouses can tune their voice out where they can be speaking and they don't even hear them. Shame on you podcasters. (laughs) Naughty. But you know what that's like? That means that somebody's speaking, but because we're not listening, because we're not valuing, because we're not attentive for, because we haven't cultivated this idea that maybe He wants to speak, we don't hear Him speaking. So we're like the people who God speaks from heaven and says, this is My beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. They go, it was thunder. I don't know, it was just thunder. Thunder. No grid. They don't even know that someone spoke, never mind who it was. And there's people who walk around completely oblivious to the fact that God is speaking and everything they hear, they they write it off to something natural. And anything supernatural is weird. Then you have the people who They heard it, but they didn't know who it was. It sounded like the voice of an angel. They're at least aware that it was a voice speaking, but they have no idea who it was that was speaking. And Jesus, listening to the Father, why? He said, the words that I speak are not my own, but the things that I say, I only say what I hear the Father say. The words the Father has given me, right? So what does that mean? That means everywhere Jesus went, He was attentively listening to and cultivated an awareness of the voice of God that was speaking. And Jesus looks at Him and says, I know who spoke and I know why he said this was spoke not for my sake but for yours it was my father who spoke these things what's he saying i can hear it and i can not only know who's speaking but i know why he's speaking and then jesus said as the father sent me into the world so also send i you go in my name what's he saying that the way that i walked in this earth is the way that i desire for you to walk not because he said follow me you realize, Jesus, out of His mouth, never said, sing songs to me. And he talked about worshiping God in spirit and truth, so obviously as part of the tr- Trinity, we worship Him. But He never actually said, sing songs to me specifically. But He did say, follow me. And we've gotten so good at some things that He never told us to do that aren't bad things and they're awesome things. And we are commanded to worship God. So don't hear me say that we're not supposed to worship Him. We're not supposed to praise Him. But I'm saying, out of His mouth, directly to the people, He said, follow me. Let's make sure that we're not really good at things He never actually directly told people to do while ignoring the one thing He actually directly told everybody to do. Follow me. If I tell Jackson, my little son, or Aaliyah, my daughter, well, I can't use Aaliyah in this example anymore because she's 15 now and she's starting to drive. which freaks me out. If I told Jackson, follow me, and then I hopped in my car and I drove off down the road, he has no ability to go where I'm going. He has no ability to follow me. I wouldn't be a very good dad. I wouldn't be a very good leader. Which must mean that when Jesus said, follow me, he actually made a way for us to follow him. Maybe that's what he meant when he said, I go to prepare a place. When he said, where I'm going, you can't go. I go to prepare a place for you. And then later he says, it's better that I go because if I go, the Holy Spirit can come, the Spirit of truth. And when He comes, He will lead you and guide you in all truth. What's he saying? I would never tell you to follow me without making sure that you had a way that you could actually follow me. So I'm going to send you a leader who will guide you. And then you can actually do the thing I've called you to. That's pretty incredible. That's pretty incredible. I can see it in the worship leaders right now. I'm not putting worship down. I love worship. I love it. I love musical work. Oh, Look, our lives are worship. It's not just a little bit of music, right? Everything that we do, we're worshiping something. And I love when we gather and we sing and we praise Him and stuff like that, but I am saying that Jesus specifically said, follow Me. So much so that when He was giving directions, He said to people, if any man would come after Me, if any man would follow Me, he must first and told them what to do. Why? Because He thought everybody would. So he figured if you're going to come and follow me, I should tell you how to do it because the assumption is if Jesus said follow me and I say He's my Lord, then I'm following Him. This is what Peter was saying when he was talking on the day of Pentecost. He says, now you see this Christ whom you've crucified as both Savior and Lord. He died for my sins as my Savior. He lives and leads me as as my Lord. In other words, my life no longer belongs to me. I wonder if that's in the Bible for I was purchased with a price. My life doesn't even belong to me anymore anyways. Why wouldn't I follow the leading of the One I call Lord? He said it to people. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And not do the things I tell you. See, to Jesus, it's infathomable that you would call Him Lord and yet not do the things He's called you to do. Because the very word Lord means Master. Master. It means I no longer have the right to say, well, I don't know. That doesn't sound good. Jesus, uh, I know what Your Word says and I, and I, I do believe that's in the Word. However, we have convened. It's not a democracy. We don't get to vote. We get one vote and it's with our lives. Once we cast that, that's it. We follow Him or we don't. softly quiet all right so be listening because listen here's the thing is there's been so many times where i was just innocently minding my own business and god gave me something to share with somebody just innocently minding my business not like fasting and praying for a word but aware constantly you, you know how to worry Yeah, Everybody here, have you ever been worried about something? And it seems like everything you're doing in the course of your day, no matter what's going on, there's this constant awareness right back here of the thing that you're worried about. If you know how to worry, then you know how to be aware of God. It's just what you're focusing on. That's the only difference is the awareness that you have. Because worry is aware of a problem. Faith is aware of an answer. And it's one of those is going to constantly be in your mind. So you can have a constant awareness of Him as you go throughout your day. It's the same way that you worry. It's just everything that you're doing, there's an awareness of Him. There's an awareness that He may want to speak. And suddenly, all of a sudden, in the middle of your day, all you did was just go into somewhere to get something to eat, and all of a sudden, you just hear God say something to you, and suddenly the whole thing changes and it becomes something you never imagined it would before you walked in. Why? Because you've cultivated an awareness of the idea that maybe God wants to speak, and maybe He wants to use me. Um, Number two, don't feel pressure to have a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. Listen, you are under—it's a gift. Have you ever felt pressured by a gift? Like how'd that happen? Someone gave you something that wasn't really good, and you felt bad, and you felt pressured. And now you're like, yay, a tie with music notes on it. (laughs) I love it. It's just what I wanted. And you're just lying. Why? Because you feel this pressure. But listen, a gift from God is always good because every good and perfect gift comes from Him, the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow returning. What does that mean? That means everything He gives as a gift is good. There's no pressure involved with it. There's no pressure for you to come up with a word. Don't feel like you have to make something up. We're going to talk about this in a little bit. But you always have a word from God for every single person you meet. Every single person you meet, you have a word from God for them. that's what? It's the Gospel. It's the message of reconciliation. It's that you were once alienated, but now He sent His Son. And now we see that through Christ, God is reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting their sins against Him. So now we beg as though God Himself begs through us, be reconciled to God. You have the ministry of reconciliation. It is always in your mouth. You have a word for every person that you meet. There's no pressure to have anything other than that. But if He gives more than that, then you speak what He's saying. Listen to me. Never, ever do this. Ever, ever. Say something that you know naturally and pretend that it's a word that you receive supernaturally. Never do that. God, forgive us for ever making people feel pressured to perform or to pretend to have something and not understand that who they are is good enough. I've experienced this before. And when you find out, it's the worst thing ever. Because that person starts to lose credibility with you because now when they're telling you that God told them something, even if He really did, how do you know? Whatever you have from God to speak is good enough. Don't, if you know something naturally, just say it naturally. Don't ever feel pressured. Don't ever feel pressured to perform and to come up with something. And don't ever act like something that you know naturally was given to you supernaturally because it ruins not only your credibility, but it taints the credibility of the prophetic and revelatory gifts for people because they start to wonder if they do that, maybe everybody is doing that. I know I'm I'm being real serious about this because it's a really serious thing. Because if you're going to open your mouth and say this is what I feel like God showed me or this is what God told me or something like that, you better make sure that it's really something God showed you or God told you, not a man. Because there's a certain weight and a gravity that's carried when somebody knows something they shouldn't know because the Father revealed it to them. That makes whatever is said next carry more of a weight and a gravity. And the last thing you want is to try to make people think that you know something from the Father that you learned from a man. Okay. We all right? Okay. Listen, none of you guys would do that. I know that. None of you would ever do that, but I'm just telling you so that when you're talking to other people about this, you can encourage them in that because you guys wouldn't do that. Not even the podcasters would do that. Uh, Okay, do realize that every time you speak a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge, it will involve risk and it will take faith. Every single time. People that have been doing it for years, people that have just started doing it, it doesn't matter. When you feel like God has given you something to share with somebody, God showed you something, God gave you a word to share with someone, a word to speak with somebody, every single time, it's going to require faith. And He wants it that way because without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Which means what? When we do things in faith, faith, it is pleasing to Him. And it involves risk. Guess what? You know what helps the biggest with being able to take that risk and just step out? Being dead to self. Not being alive for Me. It's why Jesus said if you want to follow Me, if you want to do the things that I did, you're going to have to first deny yourself. Why? Because someone who's denied themselves isn't worried about what others think about them. It makes it a whole lot easier to step out in faith and do what you feel like God's calling you to do when you're not worried about what others think about. If all we are worried about is the way we'll be received by men, we, will, we are now speaking. Paul said, he said, now I'm speaking for the praises of men. And not God. If I'm saying what I'm saying, and I'm worried about how you're going to receive it, of course we want people to receive it. He's not saying like, oh, just flippantly throw it out there. Don't worry about it. Who cares? Of course we want people to receive what God's saying. But what we're saying is, if our concern for the way they receive us is greater than our concern for being obedient to the Father, something's wrong. Every time you step out and do something God's called you to do, listen, He may call you to preach the Gospel to somebody in a restaurant it's going to take risk because there's a chance that person's going to think you're a fruitcake. There's a chance that they're going to come at you hostilely. There's a chance that maybe they're going to be angry and fed up because somebody in the name of Christianity did something to hurt them, and you come along and you present truth to them, but because of their filter, because of the way they hear you, they take it the wrong way, and they respond to you in anger. They respond to you in ridicule or in scorn. Who cares? When we I promise you, when we're forever in eternity, we won't stand there licking our wounds and asking God, well, I just don't understand why you told me to say that to that lady that time and she said mean things to me. <laughs> if, you just, if you're just so all-knowing, you should have known the way she was going to talk to me. Why would you ask me to do that? You're not going to do that. You're going to stand before Him and say, you were so worth it. You're so worthy of it all. My life means nothing compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing You. That's what you're going to say when you stand before Him and you see Him. Why not start now? Why not start now? Why not just die to yourself and understand what people think about me means nothing. What He sees means everything. Alright, don't judge whether the Word was God or not based off their immediate reaction or sometimes the response that you get. Listen, you, would, you guys would be amazed how many times I have got a call on Monday or Tuesday or someone found me the next week and said, hey, you remember when you said you felt like this and there was someone here? It was me. I just I I didn't stand up because I was embarrassed because of pride, because of this, because of that, because I wasn't this and that. Listen, if I would have judged whether or not I heard God based on the immediate response that I saw, I would judge myself to be wrong so many times. There may be times where you have a word for somebody and it is dead on, and they don't like the fact that you know something about them that you shouldn't, and they look at you and lie straight to your face and say, no, that's not true. It's okay. If that happens, here's what you do. I'm sorry, I thought I heard God say that. Why? Because your humility will convict them. Because they, for some reason, are in a place where they don't want you to know that what you said is true. The last thing they need is an argument. Because a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. There's no way to win an argument. Even if they admit it and say you're right, what have you done? You've beat them into a corner, got them to say something so that you could walk away feeling like you know that you heard God. Why not just be confident in this? God, I really felt like I heard you in that. And if that wasn't true, then help me the next time to hear You even clearer because I really thought this is what You were saying. But God, if that really was You, and if the problem's with them and not with my hearing, God, I pray that You would just come after their heart. And that long after I'm gone, if I never see the fruit of that Word, You would bring about the result that You desired when You had me speak that, God. Because I believe that You're after their heart so much. God, You love them more than I do. And You're way more committed to their heart than I am. What's wrong with that response in every situation? What do you ever lose by being humble and accepting the fact that maybe it was me? I'm not perfect. Well, if it's God, it should be right every single time. Yeah, if you're perfect and you perfectly hear God. But guess what? You're not perfect. You're not going to perfectly hear Him. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Okay? Here's the do. Do give all the credit to what you heard to God every single time. Listen, this is a big one. If He shared something with you to share with somebody, it's for His glory. Make sure that He gets it. Never let people have a high opinion of you when they should have a high opinion of Him. Make sure their amazement is directed at the amazing one. Because it's not me. Because without him, I have no way of knowing. The only thing I can say, Jesus said, "If a servant does what he's asked, do you thank him for it? For just doing what he's supposed to do? What was he saying? In other words, if if I tell you to do something and you do it, that's just obedience. That's what you do if you call me Lord. Like wait." what you you want to be recognized by people and you want to be thanked and you want to be thought highly of and you want all these accolades and you want to be put on a stage or you want to be put on a platform you want the praises of men i thought i was your lord if i'm your lord then you're simply just being obedient and doing what i'm calling you to do what more do you need than to know that you did what you said you would do when you signed up for this thing which was follow me Right? Like, if if you hire somebody to do something, if you're their master or you're their parent and they do something, like, you don't come to them and be like, oh my gosh, you did this. This is amazing. You cleaned your room. We should write a book about you. You should get a special name. You should have a platform, and everybody should know who you are because you did what I asked you to do. No, you say to them, thank you for doing what I've called you to do. Why? Because that's what you're supposed to do if someone's your Lord. You're simply doing what you signed up for in the beginning. Because it says that if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and that He died on a cross and, Christ, and God raised Him from the dead, Savior. So you say with your mouth that He's Lord and that He's Savior. That means that I can't just take the blood of Jesus without taking the authority of Jesus. I can't just take one and not... A, take the other because he doesn't just want to be my savior he wants to be savior and lord he wants my life for eternity but he also wants my life here and now when i get to heaven i won't have an option here's the only place that i can choose to actually make him my lord because once i get to eternity he'll be lord forever and there will be nothing in me that ever could come against or come between me making him my lord there's no choice Right now, here on earth, is the only opportunity I have to show faith and actually make him my Lord and choose to bend my knee to his will. Jesus did it. He's in the garden. Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. What's he saying? I'm going to bend my knee to the will of the Father. Why? Because I've asked you to do the same. And I'll never ask you to do something that I wasn't first willing to do and model for you. Because He's the greatest leader ever. He's the greatest leader ever. So when He says, come and die, that you may find life, He went and died so that we could find life. He's never asked us to do something. It's why He let John the Baptist baptize Him. What did He need to be baptized and washed of? He wasn't born into sin. He wasn't born of a man. He was born the seed of a woman and the Holy Spirit. There was nothing wrong with Him. He wasn't born into sin. He was actually perfect. He was the spotless lamb. It's the only way He could actually be the sacrifice. Why does He need to be baptized? Because He asked us to be. And because He's never asked us to do something that He wasn't first willing to do Himself. And if He had to bow His knee and surrender His will to the will of the Father, I promise you, so do we. So do we. Don't add on to the Word. Don't add on to the Word. Don't add on to what God told you because you think you know what it means and so you want to help Him out and dress it up a little bit. If you only hear a word, just say the word to somebody. And if you want to then speak to them about what you think that means or why God had you say that, then let them know, hey, this is just what I think. It's okay to say that to people. It's okay to say, hey, I feel like the Lord told me to say this to you. Say what you feel like the Lord said, and then tell them, here's what I think, if you'd like to know. And ask people, because sometimes they don't want to hear what you have to say, because what you said to them made an impact on them, and the Lord's speaking to them, and the last thing they need is your opinion to muddy the water. So maybe just ask people, "Would, would you like to hear what I think? This is what I think. And make sure they can differentiate because here's the problem. If you give them a word from the Lord that is correct, a word of knowledge. Say He gives you a word of knowledge about somebody. Everything you say after that word of knowledge carries a weight and a gravity. And if they don't understand that you switched from God's showing you to your own thinking, your own wisdom, or what you feel like the Spirit of God is showing you inside, they may put more weight and gravity on the advice you give them that's attached to the word of knowledge. And they may feel this obligation to do what you're saying because they feel like it was the Lord speaking it to them rather than letting what you told them be from the Lord, what was from the Lord, and then the rest of it be. Would you like to know what I think? Here's what I think. I'll pray into this, but here's what I feel like the Lord showed me. Let people know that. Why? It opens dialogue. We talked about this before. If you come to someone, you say, This is what God said, and then you ramble off a 30 minute thing, they think everything that you said is from God, and maybe only the first part of it was from God. Let them know. Like, hey, this is what God said, the rest of it is open discussion. And if you think I'm wrong about what God said, I'm okay with that too. I'm just trying to be obedient to hearing His voice. Because you could be wrong. The last thing you want is somebody making a life decision based on a word that you missed. Stay humble. Stay open to the idea that you can miss it. But you could be wrong. Romans 12, verse 6 says, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. Don't step out and try to prophesy further than you have faith to believe. Because if you don't believe it's God, why should they? Stop where your faith ends. Like, I have very little faith to speak to to people as if it's something God showed me beyond something God's actually showed me. I certainly don't want to start mixing my wisdom and His Paul says this, he says, listen, you may have a gift to prophesy, but don't operate outside of the the place that you have the faith for. If all you know that you feel like God showed you is this, then prophesy that. If all you feel like God gave you a word of wisdom is this, then say that and let it be and trust that He knows. Trust that He's given you everything you need. Don't step up further. Do keep listening, you know, because sometimes after you give someone a word, don't just shut off like, okay, God, thank You for giving me a word. I will take it from here. No, because we can do that sometimes, right? Like we're so excited when they say, that's right. Or, or how did you know that? That we stop re- think, listening and, 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 and stop paying attention to the fact that he may still have more things he wants to speak. Sometimes when you start talking to someone just engaged in conversation, all of a sudden you start hearing things. You start knowing things. Always cultivate that listening and never stop listening just because what you said happened to be right and hit the mark and received the person. Because you know what? Like when Jesus did it with the woman at the well. He says to her, you've spoken truly when you say that you have no husband for you've had five husbands and the man you're with now is not your husband. What's He saying? He gives her a word of knowledge. I know how many men you've been married to and I know that the man you're with right now its a word of knowledge. Is not your husband. It opens her up, but he keeps listening. And a little while later, he starts telling her, listen, I'm the one that you're looking for. If you knew who I was, you would ask me and I'd give you water to drink and you'd never be thirsty again. And then he adds a little correction and direction in there. Now go and sin no more. Suddenly, she's open to receiving correction from him because she feels known. She feels loved. She feels cared about. Always remember that if God does give you a word and you share it, keep listening for Him as you're talking. He may have more that He wants to say because their heart may be in a place now to receive something that just before that they couldn't have received. Nathaniel, I promise, I I can't say I promise, I believe firmly that had Philip walked up to, because he couldn't even believe that Jesus was the Christ. Never mind that he was going to see angels ascending and descending on this one that Philip said was the Christ. So I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty confident that had Philip walked up to him and said, Hey, Nathaniel, I found the Christ, and you're going to see angels ascending and descending upon him through an open heaven, Philip never, I mean, Nathaniel never would have believed it. Because he didn't even believe that Jesus was the Christ. But yet, When Jesus gives him a word of knowledge and says before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree, suddenly he's open to believing and hearing things that just minutes before he wouldn't have probably even believed. Why? Because a word of knowledge made him feel known and it also gave a weight and a gravity to what Jesus was about to say. That's the reason God gives you words of knowledge and words of wisdom is because He really wants to reach people. Remember, it's always for Him to know them and them to know Him. It's never about you. Ever. We're just a vessel. All right, a couple of things I want to talk about, and then we're going to do something. Um, there's a couple of dangers that come along with spiritual gifts, and, and that I've just seen um, that are kind of traps what? Oh, okay. Um, and the first one is this: don't fall into the trap of finding your identity and your gift. Because if your identity comes from your gifting or being used in a way or being able to do this or do that, you'll only be doing as good as the last time that you operated in that gift. When your identity is found in anything other than just being a child of God, you are at such risk of living a life that's up and down and up and down. Think about it. Elijah doesn't understand God's heart fully, and he gets done with the greatest experience on top of the mountain. He defeats the prophets of Baal. He races a chariot back. He calls down rain where there hadn't been rain. He ends a drought. He does all these things. And then the next day, he curls up under a tree and says, God, let me die. I'm no better than my father's. He's on top of a mountain when He's operating in an anointing and then suddenly when He's not doing these things, He finds Himself under a tree begging for God to let Him die. Why? Because He found His identity in the things He was doing rather than in who He was in God's eyes. If you find your identity in the things that God has used you to do, you'll only be doing as good as the last time you were used in that way. But if you find your identity in being a loved son, a loved daughter of God, then you can be used as many times or as few times as He chooses. And you'll never find yourself in a place where you're chasing after something to make yourself feel better about who you are. You'll actually get to a point, listen to me, every one of us has to get here, where you believe that who God created you to be as His son, as His daughter, is good enough. If I never ever give another prophetic word, if I never ever pray for another person to be healed and see them healed, if I never ever preach the Gospel and see someone come to know Him, if I never do anything more and my life were to end today, who He created me to be is good enough. And when I stand before Him on that day, I'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And I believe that because He's pleased with who I am, not just with what I've done. What I've done flows from who I am, not vice versa. And if we ever get that twisted around and believe that who we are flows from what we've done, we'll start chasing the doing in order to feel like we are. It's an open door. Here's the other thing that comes along with that. There will be a temptation to be suspicious and threatened by anyone else that walks in a similar gifting because you'll be afraid that if they do it better than me, I'll no longer be necessary. And so you'll find yourself being suspicious and guarded. And maybe even having thoughts in your heart that are not from the Father when somebody else who walks in a similar gifting comes around because you're not sure of who you are and your identity is not secured in being a child of God. And so when you see somebody in a similar gift, rather than being thankful for them, rather than appreciating them, rather than welcoming them in, you might start to try to find what's wrong with them because if there's nothing wrong with them, then maybe they'll take my place. Your place is in the heart of God. Nobody can take it. Nobody can take it. Nobody can be you. You were created to be a unique expression of the Father. Nobody can be you. Anybody can use a gift. Everybody's gifted by God, but nobody can be you. Never get the two of those mixed up. Insecurity is always, I wrote this down, insecurity is always a sign that I don't believe that who I am in Christ is good enough. That's it. If I ever find myself being insecure, it's because I've taken my eyes off of the truth of who I am in Him, and I don't believe that who He created me to be is good enough. That's the only way I can be insecure. Because if I believe that who He created me to be is good enough, and I love being the child of God that He created me to be, I can never find myself in a place of being insecure. And then I can actually welcome and appreciate other talented people around me because I don't see them as competition. I see them as people who are going to run this race with me. And that we'll do more together than we ever could have apart. Yeah. Um, Another thing is, please don't ever judge maturity based on seeing a gift. I'm serious. Listen, we often, sometimes we get enthralled. We see people that have a gifting, and we think, well, that must mean maturity or any of that stuff. Listen, let me just poke a hole in that with Scripture. So in Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out 70 disciples. He says, go and heal the sick. Preach the Gospel of the Kingdom. And, and when people are healed, tell them today the Kingdom of God has come near you. Right? And so they go out and they come back and all these miraculous things have happened so much so they're amazed. And they say, even the demons were subject to us in Your name. One chapter later, these same people come to Him and say, in, in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, they say, Lord... Teach us to pray. It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place after He had finished, one of His disciples said to Him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. They walked in gifting before they even knew how to pray. These same people who walked in these gifts wanted to call down fire and kill a whole city because they didn't believe Jesus. That gift wasn't exactly a rubber stamp of their spiritual maturity. All it was was a rubber stamp that they were being used by the Father. Don't judge other people, but even more importantly, don't judge yourself by the manifestation of a gift because you could be living contrary to how God wants you to live in areas of your life and still operate in a gifting and assure yourself, well, I must be doing things right, otherwise I wouldn't see X, Y, and Z. Listen, he spoke through a donkey. You think that donkey was holy? You think that donkey was doing everything perfect? You think that donkey could then look at Balaam and be like, I would like to sleep in the house. God spoke through me. Obviously, I'm doing everything right. I should be the head donkey. You find yourself saying that you probably are the head donkey. Because you might be in danger of thinking more of yourself because of a gift and finding your identity in that and judging your maturity and saying, well, if I wasn't, then certainly. I've had someone tell me that said, if I'm not doing, then how come? Why? Because God loves people. He used Pharaoh. He used the Egyptians who were beating and persecuting the, the people of Israel to bless them. He used them to accomplish things. Just because God's using you, don't assume that that's a stamp on your life that you're doing everything right. I'm not saying it's a stamp that you're doing everything wrong. I'm saying just don't make it more than it is. It's a gift. But you still have to pursue relationship with Him and daily deny yourself, follow Him, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. Just be careful. And other people around you, just because they operate in a gift doesn't mean that they're the most mature Christian in the room. In fact, oftentimes when people first get born again, they start, God starts revealing Himself to them and they start operating in these giftings. I've seen people like that, right? Where they just first get born again. And Sometimes it's just because they have such zeal and I think God just honors that zeal. That's not a sign of maturity as much as it is just a sign of zeal for God. Prolonged. Watch people's lives. I'm not saying inspect them for fruit and be like, oh, I guess they're legit. I didn't think so yesterday, but I think so today. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that you'll see people and it'll be a pattern of this thing in their life and a pattern of looking like Jesus, responding like Jesus, a pattern of growing in Him, a pattern of walking after Him and encouraging people. And responding in love and looking like Jesus, and they look more like Jesus now than they did a year ago. And in a year, they look more then than they did another a year past. You start seeing maturity in people by what they look like and who they are in their entire life, not just who they are momentarily and the, being used as a gift. In your own life and in the lives of others. The last thing, yeah, we got. I think we got enough time. All right, the last thing is is. Um. You hear people sometimes say, "Well, if that word was from God, we'll see by the fruit, and you know, we'll just judge it by the fruit." Be careful, because when Jesus was giving the parable of the sower, he starts explaining to them the parable, and he says, "You know that that this, uh, the kind that came on the on the path, was snatched up immediately. The kind that was in rocky soil did this." And then he says this in Matthew chapter 13, verse 22, he says, And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word. What word? The word of the kingdom. It's a word from God. This is not like, you know, the word isn't the problem here. He says, The sower sows the word. He said, You know, it's the word of the kingdom. And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the Word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the Word and it becomes unfruitful. In other words, these are this is something that someone preached that was given to them by God. It was the Word of the Kingdom. It was the Word of God and yet the person who received the word because they were so concerned with other things and so distracted by other things and didn't value the word that was given to them it says that it made the word become unfruitful was the problem with the person that that shared the word was the problem with the word the problem was with the soil with the person who heard and allowed everything else in life to distract them and gave no attention to the Word that was spoke to them and it caused the Word to become unfruitful. And that person could then sit back and say, well, I, I just understand if that's the case. If God really wanted this, this, and this, like that person told me, why am I not seeing it in my life? I guess that Word was wrong because we always want to justify and fight problems with other people. Point the blame anywhere else. It's the woman you gave me, right? We, everyone wants to do that. But Jesus, when He was saying this, said, listen, because of their response, because they didn't value it, and because they were so concerned with other things, and so distracted by other things, it actually caused that Word, the Word of God, to become unfruitful in their lives. So just because the fruit of a Word that you give someone isn't born out, doesn't mean that you missed it. Not all the time. It could mean that they actually didn't value and steward that Word that was given to them, and something came along and choked the fruit out of that Word. So be just be careful with that. That's why the best thing to do: step out in faith. Believe that it's God. If, it, if you're wrong, humbly say, you know, I could totally be wrong and trust God to do what He will. Because you know what? Even if it is God, sometimes you don't see increase right away because one man sows, another man waters, but God gives the increase. And there's going to be a lot of times where you speak words into people's lives and you don't see the increase because there needs to be another person that comes along and speaks more words into their life that waters that word that you spoke years ago. And then now, by now, they live in New Mexico and you never see the fruit of the word that you spoke Did you distrust that if I did what God called me to do and I was obedient, the seed was sown that was supposed to be sown, the water was poured on that was supposed to be poured, and one day God will bring the increase. And I don't judge whether or not I've hit the mark by seeing an immediate explosion of of fruit. All I'm called to is obedience. The results are up to Him. Yeah? All right, so I want to do something um, real quickly. Before we do this, this is how we're going to do it. Each row is going to turn around and face the row in front of them or behind them. So this row will turn and face that row. right? This row will turn and face that row. And, by, and so on. This row will turn and face that row. Before you turn around, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just pray and ask God, God, do you have something for me to say to the person behind me? Now listen to me when I tell you this. You have something to say to the person behind you. Because they are a loved child of God whom He gave His Son's life to have relationship with. Whether they believe that or not doesn't make that untrue. You can; Everyone in here should be able to share something they know to be true about the Father to the person behind them. And there's a chance that the Holy Spirit may give you something more than that to share with them. If He does, awesome, share it. But this is what I want us to understand. It's not that hard to speak into someone's life because you carry the truth. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You. He said, Christ in you is the hope of glory. What does that mean? It means that in you is the hope of glory. Out of you is the conception of glory. It's the glory of God. You carry that around in you. You have the truth. You have the words of life. You have the Spirit of God living inside of you. So just take a second right now. Don't turn around and look at them and try to figure it out by who's sitting behind you and do that natural thing we were talking about earlier. Just real quickly, just just pray and ask God. God, do you have something that you want me to share with the person behind you? All right. Now just stand up, and turn and face the people behind you. Go ahead, two rows at a time. So this group's gonna face this group. Yep. This row's gonna face this row. Yep. Turn around, face the person behind you. Yep. Stand up. Yep. And if there's multiple people, then pick one. Yep. You guys face you guys. Yep. Alright, we're getting it. This group face these people. Yep, and you guys face them. Perfect. How easy was that? Was it hard for anybody? Was it hard? Yeah. Was it worth it? Yes. Listen. The more you do it, the easier it becomes and it starts to become this natural thing where you start looking for people that you can speak God's truth into. And like I said, you don't have to have a supernatural Word to tell somebody, hey, you know God really loves you? You know that He wants a relationship with you so badly He sent His Son to die in your place so that He could take your sin? That's, it's so easy to do that because it's the truth for every single person you'll ever meet. And if He gives you more than that to share, then share what else He gives you to share. But the truth of the matter is is every one of us is called to preach the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is this. Now we see that God, through Christ, was reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting their sins against Him. And so now we beg you, as though God Himself leads through us, be reconciled to God. We have the ministry of reconciliation. Every person that you meet needs to know that. Every person that you meet is someone that God loves and spent the blood of His Son to have a relationship with every single person. I believe it's time for the church in America all over really, but here in America, to start to boldly declare the Gospel. The bold declaration of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. It's so lacking. It's so necessary. It's so valuable. And listen, here's something I just want to encourage you with and then we'll close up. I honestly believe that God's principle of if you're faithful a little, you'll be made ruler over much applies to being able to hear His voice and speak words to people. Because if He can't trust you to share with people the things you can read in His Word, why would He trust you to share with people the things He speaks into your spirit? You can open a Bible and see his heart for humanity. And if he can't trust you to open your mouth and share that with people, I promise you, the more you do that, the more the rest of it starts to come. Why? Because signs and wonders and gifts are always to confirm the preaching of the word. Start declaring the word of God to people, start preaching the gospel, and watch him come along and do what he always did. It's what Peter said. Now, Lord, we pray that you would stretch forth your hand and confirm. What, the preaching of the gospel. In other words, God, we're going to do what we know that we can do, and we're asking you then to do the things that we can't. It's for His name's sake, God. I thank you for that. I thank you that we can hear Your voice, know Your voice, God. That we know Your heart for humanity, God. That we're not wicked and foolish people that don't understand Your thoughts and don't know Your ways, God. But that we exchanged our our wickedness and our foolishness for the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I thank You that we can hear You and know You. God, I pray that boldness would fill us. God, that we would start to see that the people are hurting and lost. God, that they need the truth that we carry. God, that if we leave people with nothing more than the Gospel, we've given them everything. In Jesus' name, Amen.